Hey everyone, welcome back. It's me, Matt Tinney, and Jennifer Earhart. Thank you for (laughs) finishing that up. You know, we have some exciting news today. First, I'd like to apologize because we have not been as diligent as we hoped with our podcast, but we will start them back up for you guys. And if I miss them, I will just start putting just the didactics up. So keep an ear out or eye out for those. But um, today we got back our results of our, um, what would you call it? Was that a weight loss or a diet challenge? What would you call that? Healthy Habits Challenge. So we talked about it last time, I think. Yeah, those are goals. New Year's resolution. That was a while ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's and been Because you've weeks. been kind of mean and not wanting to do podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> if you guys don't remember or didn't listen to the last episode, we did a Healthy Habits Challenge. Yes. And so we had to like keep points for mainly just trying to change habits. So it was like no fried food, 48 ounces of water. Mm-hmm. Exercise, exercise 30 minutes a day no soda no, no sweets no alcohol yeah I'm, i feel like i'm mm-hmm. forgetting like all of it now lots of fruits and veggies oh yeah certain two amount. servings or five servings of fruits and vegetables two servings of whole grains yes i'm forgetting something it's the gist of it that was it well we for the purposes of podcast we can say that was it. <laughs> I feel like there's something oh there's, there's supposed to be like a protein shake or something like that. You didn't win the challenge, that's I, why you don't. Yeah, I don't know what we had to do. Oh what a jerk. <laughs> well, since you are one of the winners, uh, what did you have to do? Um, I tell you what you had to do. You had to hit the gym oh, here we real go. hard. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty much it for the healthy habits challenge. Can and so I, to to start off, we went we got weighed in. Mm-hmm. And we did a, a BMI. What is it? No, body? I think we did a percent of body fat. Right, but isn't that a your BMI? No, your that's body a little, mass it's index? different. We did a BMI caliber test. I thought that's what it's called. Oh, I, I was in the impression of something different. We, we should have researched this before we decided to talk about. So describe the pinch test. That's all. Oh, I know. it's describe it just personally. It's just this really painful experience where you go and this man with large hands <laughs> pulls on your skin very very tightly and pulls all of it out and then he takes a big pincher and he pinches you with it and they do it on for the women it was on our arms our hips and on the top of our thighs and it was very painful and for the men it's like the front part of your armpit i don't even know what you would call that like the upper part of your chest where it goes your armpit it was your thigh and then your stomach and it is bmi they're bmi calibers okay and so we got weighed in, mm-hmm. and then we did a BMI, mm-hmm. and so it was a six-week challenge. Mm-hmm. Clearly, already she's gloating and pointed out that I did not win, but, but during that time, during the six weeks, I lost 12 pounds. You did. That's a huge accomplishment, and uh-huh. good for you. You should be very proud and of yourself. I don't know what I lost in BMI. I think it was 1.8. It was almost 2%. I went down. Yeah, so you did really great with like the eating healthy and... You know, lemonine, you really changed, Matt changed his eating habits entirely. Wow. Like, I'm very proud of you, Matt. Yeah. Matt used to eat out lunch every single day, typically fast food. Your diet was brown and crunchy. Is that how you describe yeah, it? Yeah, I said really? hues of brown and crunchy. Hues of brown. <laughs> as long as it was in that realm, I would eat it. <laughs> um, so you did so great. I'm very proud of you. Uh, a lot of people did really well here at the Crisis Intervention Unit. Yeah. Did and and you and i um came in first place for the percent of body fat lost 
Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.7. So That's a lot. I know. It's funny to hear how much uh, pounds did you lose, too? You lost three? Three pounds. I think... How you did you lose 3% of your body fat? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was very uh, almost religious about going to the gym this past six weeks. Um, and not just like, you know, obviously giving my body plenty of rest, not doing um, lifting every single you know, day I was there, but trying well, give, to give just... Give an example of a week then. What was like, if you're talking about gym work, what was your, well, your week of on exercise? days when I wasn't at the gym, I would walk my dog uh, at the Bosque, which is a very pretty area here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and I would try to do two miles with her on days when I wasn't at the gym and the weather was nice. Or um, just some type of activity. And any kind when I wasn't at the gym. And when I was at the gym, I was doing... Um, You're just saying like any kind of activity, like lower level stuff, like yeah, walking lower, yeah. or... And I've also been trying to um, stand more at my desk. You've probably, maybe you've noticed that. I try yeah. to do that in general, but standing more, um, walking to f- printers that are further away. Um, well, you just made a conscious effort to be more active. Though, yeah, right? and, and everywhere. Did you park further? Uh, some days, yes. I parked further when I was going to like Costco or something like that. Um, so I just really tried to, I was more intentional with my workout plan at the gym, but also just more active in general. And I was, you know, very just aware of that over the last six weeks. So I hope I stick with it. Right. I really do. It's hard. It was good though. I feel, I feel really good. Do you feel better? I do. Do you think it's the diet? You've always eaten relatively healthy. Do you think it's the diet or do you think it was more focused on, on exercise? You know, the diet part didn't change a lot for me at all. It's sort of already doing that um but i did increase my water intake i used to drink 32 ounces and now i'm up to at least 50 a day um so i go through like two big bottles of nalgene water bottle um and then i think my serving of fruits and veggies i may have increased it by like one serving um and then i this was my one thing though i love soda i don't know if you knew that Mm -mm. i'm from the south and i don't know if they give us Dr. Pepper and our on everything, yeah. bottles down, baby bottles down there. Um, I grew up drinking Dr. Pepper and sweet tea. I just like, yeah. those are my, some of my favorite things. And I haven't had either one since we started six weeks ago. That's, you know, one thing for me, I've always, so I really cut back. Well, I'm just, Neil's one time challenged me, or I wouldn't say challenged me, but he made me mad. Threatened. <laughs> he didn't threaten <laughs> me. He called me a hypocrite. Oh. And he said, you know, mm-hmm. how are you helping people and telling them to go to the doctor, but you won't even go yourself? Mm-hmm. And this was just for a physical. And I was like, you know what? Screw you. Watch this. Yeah. And I had really bad cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You could probably tell from my diet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my cholesterol is bad. And the doctor said either, you know, take medicine or you can see if it's food related. Uh-huh. And I know my uncle had taken medication for cholesterol and it caused a lot of problems like side effects. Oh. And there's, I guess there's a lot with the cholesterol medicine. And so I had gone on a diet, almost exactly what this one was, mm-hmm. except for um, it was really limiting red meats and cheese is sure. one thing I focused on. Definitely. And it worked. So I went on that, you know, and I exercised 30 minutes a day, if not more. Um, I would do a lot of running while watching hockey. So I would just play hockey and just jog on a treadmill. Oh, okay. This is before kids, though. And mm-hmm. so um, I lost a lot of weight and my it brought down my cholesterol. I was like, wow, my diet really does affect my cholesterol. But then my dad died and that kind of... Mm. And then with kids and life and everything like that, I just went right back into bad habits of my eating. It's so much easier for me to eat something brown and crunchy and delicious than make the effort of make sure you grocery shop for enough vegetables Mm -hmm. and, you know, fruit so you have snacks. 
But going back to this, I used to always drink soda, like you're saying. Oh, I would drink so it the first time I woke up. I never drank yeah. coffee. I, I never drank coffee. I drink it all the way up. I drink it for dinner and up tonight. I never drink much water. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, people would always like make fun of me, like Sarge makes fun of me, I'd be like it's enhanced water. You know, it's yep. water plus something else. But I thought that'd be the hardest. But uh-huh. I really cut down on soda before because I was having trouble sleeping, working yeah, day shift, which sure. is weird. And so that wasn't as hard as I thought. Really? I thought that was going to be the hardest. I thought I'd have trouble giving up soda. Mm-hmm. First thing. I'd have cravings. The second would be cravings for like fried food mm-hmm. because I eat so much fried food just historically. Mm-hmm. And I had cravings for fried food, but I've never once had a craving for soda. What was your craving for fried food? Like you're like, oh my God, I really want this one thing. You know what or it was? was? It, it, it was towards the end. And it's because my wife always watches the food channel mm-hmm. and like all like those like shows where it's like, here's random ingredients. Now figure out this one. And the last one I can think of was it was carnival themed. Oh, and I've so seen was, that. I've chopped it, carnival. Yeah, yeah. Or something that was like, you need to figure this out. So they were making like corn dogs yeah. and different types of fried like stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I need fried food. <laughs> and sweets wasn't bad either. Mm-hmm. I craved them every now and then, but um, eating fruit helped me, I think, on that one. Yeah. And if I craved like uh, crunchy stuff, I would eat pretzels. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't bad. That's yeah. why I'm curious to see if my cholesterol went down again. Yeah, you should update us on that. The world know. needs to know. No. But you lost 3%. So you won. Out of yeah. everybody there, she Where's won. my money? Yeah. Is the next question? Okay. <laughs> Get a baseball bat right. and go ask Cynthia. Bring it to the police department. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> Lawrence won in for the total amount of weight loss. He lost 13 pounds. Yeah, congrats So he lost. If I would have known that, I could have just fasted for two days and yeah. beat him. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. But Lawrence took a more aggressive approach. He meal prepped for lunch and mm-hmm. dinner the whole time. So he pre-planned everything mm-hmm. on it. So, But you thought changing up, because you were always relatively active. But you're saying what you changed, what you think helped, was you did more like uh, lifting yeah. or like weight-based training. You yeah, that it, helped you? I think before the challenge started, I was going to the gym and being active maybe like three times a week. But I didn't have like an intentional workout plan. Um, and when the challenge started, I wanted to just be more active in general, but also like come with a, okay, today is leg day and here are the, you know, weights I'll be using the exercises. And then, so I had like a little, you know, plan for every single week. Um, there was one week I really didn't do very well working out or eating, uh, (laughs) at all. And that's when my uh, friends, um, from Tennessee came out to New Mexico to visit and we just ate out every meal and, you know, it's hard. Drank a lot and that sort of thing. (laughs) You know, I've I've never been much of a drinker, so that one wasn't hard for me, but you know, I I think I agree with you with the training plan because well, I really got into cycling recently and I started doing, uh, it's been cold here. And Mm -hmm. so I normally only get to ride in the morning or at night. And it's already dangerous as hell because it's pitch black. Yeah. So I got an indoor trainer and then I was doing a thing called Zwift, which was like a virtual reality world for riding, which was okay. But then I found a program for training. And so it structured your training. Mm-hmm. Like it said, what are your goals? And I put it in there and then it gave me training plans. And so I started that the day we started this challenge. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of gave me something to look forward to where I wasn't just riding to ride. Yeah. But I'm like riding to, to get faster. And I think that actually helped. And it kind of goes back to, like, you came out with a plan. And I never would have thought that I would like something like that, but I've actually really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I love taking, um, this is, I don't know how to put this. I like taking the classes at the gym, too. Um, 
because I like being directed during my workout and it's I can go to a Pilates or yoga Tai Chi cycling class and they'll teach me what I need to do so that I can you know when I'm not in that class I have a good idea or you know I learn new exercises all the time from that so I love going to classes and so I increased I went to a kickboxing class a few times I never told you about this (laughs) yeah it was pretty embarrassing do you Um, feel like you're tougher no, I'm not at all. You didn't come into work and try to fight people. Yeah, I know because I already have that like yeah, little Napoleon complex. Yeah. I'm I'm really coming amped up yeah. and wanting to fight everybody. No, I I came in. I don't know if you noticed, but like there were some days I came in, I could like barely walk, or I like had a hurt back, or like had it broke out the heating pad a few days, and um, yeah, and that was from kickboxing. I took a few kickboxing classes. I did a tai chi. I just went to town. At the gym, trying I'm, everything. That's one thing I think, and I don't know if it's my own self-consciousness, but I've always shied away from group fitness. Well, you know, I don't see a lot of men in the group fitness class. But a lot of people talk about it. I'm the only time, like, growing up playing sports, you do group fitness, mm-hmm. you know, and um, but more like we're going to do this. It's a workout as a team, and you do that in the academy, but I feel it's more team building. Right. And maybe that's why it, I just can't. I don't know why it's something, but how you put like someone kind of telling you, directing you what to do. That's what my training plan for cycling does. It's Uh like at this point, do this. And it's kind of telling you and, and I like it. So I don't know why I wouldn't like it as a group, except for, I think I'd be more self-conscious. Like, am I as fast as this guy or is this person? Right. Exactly. I think that would play it in my head. Yeah. There's a, there is a competitive component, I think, for some people who go in there and are, you know, basing where their levels are compared to everyone else in the class, which you shouldn't, you shouldn't do. Yeah, but. it's hard. I think I'm just too competitive or mm-hmm. on myself on that one. I'm trying to find the results here again just to – because I was also surprised at how many people did not show up to the last oh, weigh-in. I was not surprised. I Let was. Me, I'm not going to name names. So it looks like <laughs> – let me see here. The The only people that showed up, we had one, two – we had five people total show up for all of them. That's five, six – out of 12. Mm-hmm. So it was 12 of us total that joined, that got weighed in or whatnot in the very beginning, and only five showed up at the end, which is surprising. And people lost. Um, you really don't think so? Oh no, I don't. I'm, I'm just looking here. I mean, people. You out of it? I mean, you're already really, really thin, and so you have the lowest overall weight loss at three pounds. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably twenty percent of your body weight. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next one was, I think, eight pounds. Oh no, that was ten pounds. So it, was, it looks like no, you then six pounds, and then ten, twelve. And, uh, 13 yeah so people lost weight on this and everyone it, lost weight on it yeah i was that, really surprised yeah. that did it exactly <laughs> i guess so we <laughs> should say that because i i thought from some of these this one's not that extreme no it really is just healthier habits like i right. didn't did you do calorie counting no i didn't calorie i count. didn't at all in yeah. fact i was just looking at uh we had just gone to the grocery store looking at it and i was telling my wife i was like i actually think i'd take in more calories mm-hmm. she's like what do you mean i'm like i look at the stuff I'm eating now, like fruits and veggies, fruits already have a lot of calories because of sugars, mm-hmm. and then a lot of uh, peanut butter stuff or oh, nut-based yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is just tons of calories. Oh, yeah. And I that, love trail mix, and I know you eat it quite often, and a lot of those are like 300 calories yeah. for a little tiny bag. Uh, I just mix up because I was having a hard time getting all the fruits and veggies. Yeah. And so I was like, how can I get in fruits and veggies but still like 
I think I crave crunchy stuff, and that's oh, why yeah. I go with fried food a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I would make a bag of like nuts, and I'd mm-hmm. put like honey roasted nuts, so I have something sweet. But then I'd put some kind of dried fruit, so I put dried cherries in it. Yeah, and that way I made sure I was getting mm-hmm. in a serving of veggies of some, or fruit of some sort. Yeah, and I love doing that too. But man, you could. Those are one of the things you can rack up calories and you think you're, you know, eating yeah. so good, which you are, but you have to just be mindful of it too. I was just surprised on it because mm-hmm. I, I really, honestly, I think I've, this whole six weeks have taken in more calories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've done, oh, I think I've probably worked out about the same. It was more structured workouts. So it was probably harder workouts, yeah. but I've eaten a lot more because mm-hmm. I've never been one, like I forced myself to snack now because mm-hmm. I've never snacked before. I've only eaten two meals a day. And you know how I, I, I don't really eat meals. You snack Most, a lot. I just yeah. graze all day long. <laughs> it's probably annoying to my coworkers. Oh, but. I'm like a snake. It's like when I'm hungry, I eat one meal, <laughs> I'm done. Like <laughs> yeah. It's just like one big meal, I'm done. I'm happy. I'm a happy little snake. <sighs> but it, it, yeah, I was really surprised on uh, how much weight loss. I was, I was surprised on my weight loss, honestly. I didn't think that my diet yeah. affected that much. No, I mean, I think we all – it was like you know a little mini-intervention – for Matt here. We were oh, like, Matt, you should go. probably do this <laughs> diet. Just seeing what you were just, you know, the types of foods you were eating all, you know. First off, you guys are jerks. Yeah, we are. It's a tough group. but Because uh, I've never necessarily eaten healthy. And I've always stayed relatively thin. But mm-hmm. I've always been somewhat active. But I know I gained a lot of weight after the um, or my second baby. Yeah. And then I got into biking and I lost... 10 or 15 pounds then mm-hmm. and I was like okay this is good I kept up the same diet you know I just stayed active but then I was on I'm honestly surprised on how much diet affects yeah and I know and for you like again like I think for both of us really we didn't really need to lose weight in my opinion well, it was now, just about now I'm obsessed I <laughs> want to lose more no I'm telling no, I think you. it's about being healthy and looking at things like your cholesterol or you know right. you have a different maybe motivation behind eating healthier now it's not just to lose pounds it's just to be healthy and feel good be able to sleep well at night that sort of thing i i feel like i i think back like when i was in high school and who i thought of old people you know yeah and when i'm talking about cholesterol i'm like i am officially old yeah when that is a is a topic of conversation that i just brought up cholesterol that i'm old yeah i haven't started doing that yet so or another one that you brought up recently stamps I heard you say something about you went to the post office and they had a certain stamp. I did get... I know you know when you're old when you talk (laughs) about stamps. Okay. Good call out there. I didn't think about it until you brought it up. So thanks for making me feel old. But I did go to the post office during my lunch break today and they had Star Trek stamps. And I was like, I'll take three of those, please. (laughs) See? It's just... I was excited. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like... uh, Niels had a whole conversation with me about why he bought extra stamps one time because <laughs> they were forever stamps. And he's like, so in 10 years, if it goes up, these are still good. So I'm actually right. making money. Uh, and I'm like, you know you're old, <laughs> Niels, when you pre-plan saving money on stamps. Uh, I, need to, I need to remember this. Put it in a little bank in the back of my head and bring it up later. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it was just so funny. I was like, I cannot believe you're saying yeah, this that's, right now. that's super lame. <laughs> but... That, you know, talking about cholesterol is that, and I also feel like cycling is something that old, old oh, guys I don't do. Know. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I'm becoming the stereotypical yeah. old white guy. We were at Starbucks for a meeting earlier oh, today, okay. and there was an old white man in cycling gear, and you were so excited by that. I wasn't excited. I thought it was odd. Well, you were excited, and you said, oh, that's, does that mean I can wear my cycling gear like yeah. this old man in 
Yeah. I'm going to wear it to work. And it, just everyone's going to stare at me like, why are you wearing skin mm-hmm. tight lycra and spandex to work? Again, man? I don't know oh, that happening. you can base that man's behavior or decisions. And you call him Gandalf. I do. <laughs> and I want to be he a wizard. Was, <laughs> he was so like skinny and tall and old and white. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's been interesting. And then I really, honestly, I'm wanting to lose more weight now. It's it's odd, like this challenge of being healthier and then kind of getting into that training plan. It made me really think I could uh, get better yeah. and do some races and actually be more competitive. Well, that's awesome. And so it made me start getting obsessed with how much weight can I lose and get oh, what well, is my preferred riding weight. And I now don't, I'm becoming obsessive. I don't think you should. Oh, I'm, I don't think anyone should obsess over weight like that. But I will admit that since I have started working out because of this plan, like... I don't think I'm a gym rat by any means, but I have gotten into like lifting and it, I don't know That's if we've talked about, Jimmy. you've been walking around with a gallon of water to like a jug, but you know, I think about like, I don't want to be like our Sarge. She's like, big. you know, big meathead yeah. of a person, but like, it's fun and I enjoy doing it and I've become like, okay, you know, when I don't go to the gym, like I, I miss it and I want to get in there and do it. It's like such a great stress release. It's like kind of yes. found a new activity and I maybe I've become a little obsessive about it. No, I think in, that is, you know, it's a good point you make. Cause there was one time I missed three days in a row of working out and I was like craving it. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh my body misses it. Like yeah. it's going into withdrawals and it, it's one of those odd things. Cause, um, you know, exercise is so good for the body and it's really recommended and well studied for like fighting depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety and kind of burnout. But I feel like if you are depressed, like I know when I've had my hard times, I don't want to work out. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, just do this and and get it. But that's kind of what I liked about this challenge was it was to develop habits Mm -hmm. and it didn't make it so extreme where it was, you can only maintain this for this whatever brief period like this is actually maintainable and working out is honestly has for me at least has helped a lot with stress Mm -hmm. and it just helps me clear my mind and it makes me and maybe it is that i can and maybe this is why i don't like group fitness i feel like uh at least with um cycling goes back to my idea of like team sports like i know i'm working on something because i'm going to use it in a race Oh, I and see so I feel like yeah. I'm working towards a goal. Mm-hmm. And while like Sarge, he's just really into bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But maybe his goal is, you know, whatever, to increase the mass in his arms or his mm-hmm. chest or something. But I've never enjoyed just picking things up and putting them down. Yeah. I've never been like, I'm going to spend an hour of picking things up and putting yeah. them down throughout this room. Yeah, It's just never stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think maybe that's it. But getting up and we were talking about that like that jen and i both said we are not morning people and it's hard and you know i have two kids under three and so it's hard for me to find the time to work out and the only time i really have is the morning yeah and and i said you know i've never regretted waking up early to go work out and i read this somewhere um but i have definitely regretted when i don't Mm -hmm. when i'm like oh i'm just too tired and and it's definitely worth it so i mean if anyone listening is having difficulty or, you know, having some depression or kind of just feeling overwhelmed at work or burning yeah. out, honestly, even just going for a walk. Oh yeah. And if you can't, it's one of those things where you have to just make the time mm-hmm. you have to say, this is important to me, make it, or it's just not going to happen. And that's going to be always a hard one. What was the most difficult part for, for you? 
most difficult? Um, I am a wine and beer drinker, as Matt is probably aware. Um, and I, I do enjoy having a glass of wine with dinner and was kind of not a habit, but something I did regularly. Um, also known as a habit. As a, <laughs> right. Okay. Again, call me out today. Well, that's just funny. Sorry. I do no. this regularly, but it's not a habit. It's, it's not, not a habit. habit. It's not a habit. I was having difficulty yeah, not this doing This is why it. people are hesitant to bring up like if they're drinkers or right. not. Um, but you know, that was hard because I also drink socially and, um, my boyfriend and I, like, um, Albuquerque is known for having lots of breweries yes, and good breweries. And the weather is nice and always sunny. So we're always wanting to be on a patio somewhere trying a new local lager or whatever. Right. Um, and that's just something we occasionally do on weekends. And so Alex and some other people, my boyfriend and some other people that we would, you know, hang out with, they always want to, let's go meet up for drinks. And there were a few times that I did go to the brewery and I would have like a water. Would you really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it was so, <laughs> it was hard. It was really? just because, you know, you're used to, I don't know, you just want to when you're in that environment, have a drink too and, you know, relax or whatever. I guess, yeah, that's true. There's a place, a brewery really close to where we live that has a great happy hour and they have like all, you know, the, when I do like to eat unhealthy, it's chicken wing, you know, fried yeah. chicken wings and like yeah. French fries and poutine and, you know. What was that? Like. Poutine? <laughs> that sounds like an French inappropriate fry. term for something. <laughs> Everyone go Google poutine. Now, um, it's like French fries with gravy and cheese and it's just delicious that sounds disgusting. no okay. it's it's so good and honestly gravy on french fries it's delicious and it's yeah, deliciously it's disgusting delicious. so you know the last time we went to happy hour i had a glass of water and i got the hummus and i was wow. just like you know it was it was t- it was good and i still managed to have fun and i was able to do it and that is that's some dedication though and honestly then, but the next time i had a beer and <laughs> yeah i <laughs> but i think that was the the biggest struggle it seemed like for the whole group yeah. Everyone talked about how they were used to having like a wine at dinner or a beer at dinner and that they had trouble with it. That's what it, everyone mainly complained about. Yeah, and you know, because I'm the only one that complained about having shakes. I'm like, I can't get in the habit of drinking a shake. I never had a shake. Really? The protein shake? No, I never did that. You didn't do that either? Well, I just feel like I can get protein elsewhere. And I'm not so I was just getting, you know Wow. Protein wow, from Jim. the food I ate. <laughs> Yeah, that's one I I didn't do. But honestly, it was good because, you know, I feel better when I'm not drinking as much. And then it was about finding other ways, you know, normally on the weekends, going to having a drink with friends is, you know, kind of a stress relief in some ways for myself. But instead, you know, I was not doing that as much. I was going and walking my dog or, you know, right. I don't know, finding some (laughs) other activity, going to the gym, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think going out is the hardest on these. Yeah. Like, cause when we went out, it, it's so easy to get an appetizer, like chips and mm. salsa, which is really popular here. Chips and salsa is like at every restaurant. Yeah. But I guess I never thought about, but tortilla chips are fried. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and then, you know, you go to certain places like that, the eat in movies here, mm-hmm. like it's movie food. Yeah. It's not, it's like bar food. It's not like, it's hard to find the healthy option there. You know, what was hard is of course there's lots of great new mexican food in new mexico but um one of my favorite things about moving here was when i discovered sopapillas yeah <laughs> so like here describe what a sopapilla is because i just, think everyone knows that and no one knows it well I, 
So I will say, so anytime you go out to eat at a like New Mexican restaurant, even some non-New Mexican restaurants, I mm-hmm. think, here in New Mexico, they just bring a plate of, to me, it's like fried bread. It's it not is. fried bread, but it's fried. It's like a, it's like the consistency of a funnel cake. Yeah, that's actually a really good. But it's just but a bigger. big yeah. pocket, like a Instead pillow. Instead of like a big noodle. <laughs> a Instead big... of like a noodle in the yeah. funnel cake, it's a big pillow. <laughs> pillow of just <laughs> funnel cake, but they don't put the powdered sugar. Some it's, places do. Oh. You should try it with it. I'm sure it's delicious, but they bring a, just a big, t- like a little squirt bottle of honey to your table and you just pour the honey all over it and it's just warm and it's flaky and it, you know, just kind yeah, of falls in your mouth. Oh my God, it's delicious. And they just bring it free here. It's a part of your meal. It's a part of eating out. And I, when I've discovered that about here, I was like, we are never leaving. Like this is a <laughs> great, uh, chips and salsa, soba is like tacos every weekend. Yeah. I was, man, giving those up, it's tough. I didn't think about that. That one is, mm. I guess maybe, and it's it's bad because right where we work, there used to be a guy, he just moved, but he would always leave out buckets of candy. Oh, God, yeah. And so guy. there's always the temptation to yeah. eat sweets because it's literally like, for me, it's like three feet from my chair. Right. And he had good candy. Yeah, we, he and buy he would, cheap candy. No, restock it every week yeah. with like good candy. Yeah, name brand, <laughs> fun size. Sometimes oh. he had full size. Yeah. Like actual candy in there. Oh, yeah. miss that. <laughs> and now I don't know where he is in this building. We got to find him. You know what I replaced my candy with is ginger chews that is candy i know well but it's i feel like it's a healthier candy it's ginger it's you, just what? ginger like it can't be bad it's it's called a chew that's because it's a candy i it's don't not know like it's just a stick of ginger but it's better than it's having the reese's candy. peanut butter cup most likely the calorie content yeah, you is could, lower you could argue that that oh i'm eating this peanut butter. i don't know this why is you can peanut just let me have this, this is healthy peanut butter that's, that's, true. that's the same that's argument true. that you're making. Well, so then I did have sweets because I definitely had ginger cheese. That's like you saying I'm having red wine and I'm calling that my <laughs> one of my fruits. And, you know, this beer here is one of my two whole grains. <sighs> calling me out today. Anything else? Yeah, it was just funny because uh, um, another person we worked with was on the thing. And I was, like, I was like, oh, are you skipping today at lunch? And she's like, no, what do you mean? I was like. Well, you're eating tortilla chips. She's like, yeah, these are baked. I was like, no, they're <laughs> what? And she just threw down her bag. It was like, you ruin everything. Like, Who I'm said sorry. that? Who thought they were baked? It was Cynthia. Oh, okay. And I felt so bad that I oh, ruined that for You, her. like, changed her life in <laughs> yeah. a bad way. Yeah. I think she thinks I'm a bully and I feel you, bad. Well, you might be. I might. Uh, <laughs> that is just mean. I'm yeah. I'm really surprised on how hard people took it. Like, um, Sarge. I always have always just thought of Sarge as being healthy because he's into bodybuilding, but mm. bodybuilding is not necessarily the most healthiest activity you could do. But he's always, for the most part, pretty been self-conscious eater. Oh, yeah, he's a healthy and, eater, for sure. And he couldn't even maintain this. He's, no. I don't know if it was the stress because he's testing for lieutenant, mm-hmm. but man, has he been eating a lot of candy lately. Well, he loved, so he eats, I'd say, Fairly well, most of the day. Even when you guys go out to eat, like we went right. to Chick-fil-A, he got the salad, you know. And right. You don't see him drinking soda or anything like that. But man, does he love sweets. Yeah. 
and it is a problem for him. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he can't walk by without eating. One. Yeah, I've never seen one. I everyone is like, oh, sweet tooth. No, this man has a problem <laughs> with sweets. Like, I've never seen anyone with such little control. Uh, he can't say no. No, <laughs> he love it. He lives for candy and cookies. And it's cakes. it's very odd. It is very very yeah. odd. So, are you going to try to continue this uh, lifestyle? This lifestyle. I don't um, know what you would call yeah, it. Would well, you call it this, this habit. This you know, I think I'll definitely or what? keep some things. I think the water intake. I do feel like I don't know. I just I feel, feel better right. when I have when I'm hydrated and I, I work out more. So uh, definitely keeping the water. Um, I think I can keep up the fried foods, but we all know how I love Chick Fil A, and I, that'll I'm never happen. I will never give up Chick Fil A. You can pry it from my cold dead hands um so there'll be certain things that i think i can keep and stick to you know not drinking the sodas and that sort of thing and just being more mindful of what i'm putting into my body and i like that it's become you know it doesn't feel like a yo-yo or um, a fad diet it just right. seems like we're all trying to be healthier and right. it, again like i think although there was a challenge component of losing weight the focus really is on just like getting sleep being active getting eating right and not right. you know you know, it wasn't about calorie counting or anything like that. Um, and so I like that. And I think I, since it was set up that way, I think I can continue with it. But I think, you know, um, maybe if we do another challenge, it'd be fun too. It's it's nice when you do it with a group because, you know, we were checking in with people. And right. I think that's a, you know, it's it was encouraging. And I, I would think if anyone, you know, was you know, feeling self-conscious, they didn't need to be in our group. It was competitive, but it was not too competitive. You know, it's a great little right. thing to do as a group because it was just about healthy eating. So there was, you know, it wasn't about calorie counting, but it was like, okay, everybody can try to not have fast food and we can go out as a group and not eat fast food or, you know, right. stuff we, like that. Or, we could all eat lunches except for you didn't want to yeah. join us. You I, well, to eat at your I, ne- I never joined for lunch. Yeah. Lunch just... is for, is for Jen. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's you know I I want to continue, and I don't think it'd be hard. Mm-hmm. It's um, it actually is saving a lot of money because you see it all the time. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I actually don't mind it, and it's been nice. It's been uh, I feel actually healthier. Yeah, which is nice. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's probably because I'm eating things that aren't fried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm eating more <laughs> vegetables and probably getting much more vitamins. Yeah, my body has been lacking, yeah. and so I will continue now. Will I probably eat fried food every now and then? Yeah. Yeah. If it comes up, you know, or will I have a sweet? Like if I think someone brought in cupcakes the other day and Mm -hmm. I said no. I mean, if that happens, I might have one. Mm -hmm. I won't be so uh, uh, negative to it or. or, Yeah. But like, like today we went out. I didn't have, I just had grilled chicken. Oh, good for you. I did barbecue baked beans. So I'm sure that has a lot of sweets in it, Mm -hmm. but it's a vegetable. (laughs) It's a lentil. Okay. A and I had coleslaw. That's like a salad. A coleslaw salad. That's like a salad, right? Yeah. No, I'm sh- Yeah. Don't what, ruin this. I'm not. Me. You know what? Today was the first day that we're not in the challenge. So I think if everyone just kind of needs to like, not binge, but like, you know, have a moment to themselves before we get oh, started again. The last day. Oh, I binged big time. I didn't eat breakfast. I woke up. I rode my bike. Oh, I really? got weighed in. And the first meal I had, we went to Chick-fil-A. I got a soda and everything yeah, fried. And then on the way home, I stopped and got donuts. Shut up. I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. Oh, what a fatty. <laughs> we went home. We ate donuts. We, we binged. Yeah. I, it was our celebration. My wife lost six pounds. I know. Good for her. You guys both did really yeah. well on this. 
it's hard. I, I know that's what's different for me is it's, I will say I have an unfair advantage in that, like, you know, single, no kids, no <laughs> yeah, responsibilities. No. I can easily fit in, you know, I can fit in the workout and I can yeah, like make it. Everybody has their own yeah. lives and their own priorities. It's yeah. still making it a priority. I don't think it's, it's tough for, for yeah, it's tough for everybody, but I know it's gotta be especially tough for individuals with two kids <laughs> under the age of three. It's yeah, tough. It's, it's hard, but yeah. you just gotta make it a priority. Yeah. It was fun. It was nice. And then one of my goals was to do a century of uh-huh. hundred miles and there's one in April. That's what We're going to go check in with you and on that. You're going to also do a hundred miles. On your um, imaginary bike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, was there any other, um, yeah, I'm hearing weird noises too. Uh, yeah. We both gave each other weird look like Here we can hear through the too. wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there any resolutions that you came up with? I can't remember. Now. Oh, just New Year's? Yeah. From the last You know, one. I mentioned reading more. Yeah. Have you started that? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I went to the local public library. Whoa. And I got my um, New Mexico um, library card. I hadn't done that yet. And I have finished one book, and I'm now on my second book. And I have a third one. The library, that's also one of those, like, you know you're getting old when you go back to the library. Um, I'm going <laughs> to excuse like you for that comment. and That's awesome, though. So you actually went, you've already got through a book. Yeah, I read Ann Patchett's Commonwealth, and actually now I'm reading another Ann Patchett book. Was it good? Yeah, I love her. She's um, she's an author from, well, I guess she's not from Nashville, but she's lived in Nashville for a long time, and she has a local bookstore there. And oh, for nice. people that don't know, I'm originally from Nashville. So, well, that's awesome. Author. So you already started on, on it. That's great. Yeah, what have you done? <laughs> yeah, I, I did 68 miles. Good for you. Yeah, and 5,000 feet of climbing, and my legs hate me for that. Oh, wow. you got to yeah. make sure you're stretching those out. Yeah, I had to stop because I went up mm-hmm. the mountain, and oh, wow. my legs fro- like yeah. fused out like muscle spasms. Yeah. I laid in snow to cold them Oh, off. are you serious? Yeah. There was nowhere else to go. Wow. There was snow or the road. Yeah. So I laid in the snow. What trail were you on? The road. I just but, went up the to the like peak. the back way up to the yeah. mountain. I rode from that's... pretty much right by your house. Actually, I yeah. rode from your house to the peak. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Well, you say impressive, did... like I shouldn't have done that. Oh, okay. Well, well I don't I know. Probably <laughs> should have dialed it down a little bit. Yeah, you should work up to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so, did you finish or yeah. do that? Well, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm still in pain because of that. Yeah, you keep like rubbing your legs. my legs are yeah. like and everyone's always like oh i bet you're sore from that or, like my wife is and my mom i'm like i'm always sore now mm-hmm. like i can't remember one day i'm not sore from riding yeah it's like i think just working out you just constantly have some kind of sore it's not mm-hmm. and like bad mm-hmm. but i'm always sore my well, legs are always tight make now. sure you're resting and stretching and drinking rest, your water oh. i'm now obsessed I'm oh obsessed. right i forgot you, you have, have an obsession now maybe I, we should do a podcast on obsessions yeah. like now i need to get down to ones. 120 <laughs> like uh for what like the, my body weight to 120 120 yeah why not are you sure that's Healthy? A good number? I don't know. That seems really skinny. I'm going to be like a weird cyclist. I'll be like a like a backwards. Oh. I'll be like a T-Rex. I'll have big bottom and like little arms and skinny body. Huh? Like a tank. Yeah, like a tank. <laughs> tank. We use that earlier. We'll call you the tank. <laughs> yeah, tank tank. Like a tank tank. Tank No, I, I have been a, like, I guess I was really shocked that I was, I didn't think I was, I thought maybe I'd lose five pounds. I was mm-hmm. really surprised. Yeah, I'm nervous. actually, I didn't think you would be losing that much. Well, thank you, Jen. What a <laughs> jerk. 
Oh, guess that's... I, I guess I deserve that for no, my I digs didn't... at you. Okay. Well, you have called me out a lot yeah, today, that's, that's and I don't saying. appreciate I it. I I, good luck getting me back on here. <laughs> no, I, I am surprised on how much weight I lost. Yeah. I really am. Mm-hmm. It, that, it surprised me yeah. tremendously. And well, that's why I'm like, you. I could keep going until I'm five well, pounds. Just... Just keep in mind that you know. I'm gonna become like a weird. I'm gonna become obsessed no. with. Uh, we don't. We don't need to be obsessed with. What weight. is that? Body dysmorphia. Oh well, we won't joke about that. No, um, I'm just saying uh, that's what I'm afraid is gonna happen. Yeah, we. You should never be obsessive over weight like that. No, it's not healthy. Yeah, and even it goes both ways. Like bodybuilders. Yeah. Like my brother, when he was really doing bodybuilding, he got obsessed with his body. Yeah. Like wanted to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then. You know, it's people go both directions. Yeah. You want to get big, big, big or little, 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 and mm-hmm. you're never happy with it. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get obsessed with your own inner innards. <laughs> it's a weird way to put it, but how yeah. would you say your own your own self image? Yes, I like self image better than innards. Yeah, I like innards now. <gasps> Look in the mirror at my innards. Say, <laughs> like, hey, my innards are too big, but people get obsessed with it. Yeah, it's bad, especially athletes. Yeah, it's huge in it. But this was a, a good thing with healthy habits. It was mm-hmm. just picking better choices, really. Yeah. And just making sure you maintain an active lifestyle, in a sense. And, and anyone can do it. Definitely. It's not like the person that lost the most weight was 50. Yeah. He's 50 years old, so it's not like you have to be young to do it. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is definitely a cool thing. It was nice that we all lost, and congrats for winning. Thanks, Matt. And so we're going to, I'm not sure which didactic, but if you guys stay on, there'll be a mm-hmm. lecture coming up from the CIT Knowledge Network. And of course, if you're public safety and would like to join, please shoot me, Jennifer, an email. If you don't have my email address, it's J-E-A-R-H-E-A-R-T at C-A-B-Q.gov. And we would love to have you join us for one of our meetings. Of course. And if you want to see more on that or more stuff on the podcast, go to GoCIT.org. And thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time, if there's no more uh, discussion on that topic, just talking about alcohol withdrawal. Hey, we talked about other drugs. Um, somebody have something to say? Yeah, I'm sorry. TJ Camacho, LCPD. Hey, TJ. Uh, is there anything under the uh, DD waiver, development disabled waiver, that he could fall in under, say, once the homes are – are uh, taken out of place, the unlicensed ones. Um, I know UNM has a program for the DD waiver. It does. There's a there's a disability development disabled waiver. Yeah. But uh-huh. but for instance, like Camilla, with your with your client, is that person on the DD waiver? He's not, and one of the requirements for the DD waiver is being able to provide documentation that the disability, the developmental delay occurred before the age of 21, and because he's from ZUNI, um, I, the records just aren't aren't there, so we he yep. doesn't qualify for the DD waiver. Yeah, so it's a really good thought, TJ, but yeah. um, but it would I think it would only apply to those people who are on that waiver, as I understand it, that it's specific to their services and that it, it's not kind of all encompassing for standards for the the general population of people who are ill from whatever type of illness. So TJ, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you were on the line. Uh, now, are, is this a problem in uh, Las Cruces as well? Actually, and we haven't come across any, um, but our patrol officers do know 
what to look for or who to ask for. And then like uh, to look for the person in charge. And if they can't find their person in charge, then they'll probably let me know, but nothing's come across my desk yet. Got it. So like if, if they went to a group home and they couldn't find somebody in charge of the group home, you mean, uh, no, it hasn't come up, but if that did, what would be your steps? Like what would be done at that point? Uh, well, I'd have to probably call around and ask. I mean, probably be stuck in the boat as we are right now. Right. Okay. I have no way of solving it at this point, but when the problem comes up, I'll, I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Well, maybe we can preemptively solve it for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is Neil's resume. I have a, uh, another question off the topic. Nick, is that a koala bear on your desk there? What is that? This this is algae. I'm sure you recognize algae from mental health first aid. Ah, okay. <laughs> nice. They're a mascot. Nice. Very good. You've, you've always been distracted by shiny things, so I guess instead of schools. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, so um, so let's talk a little bit about alcohol withdrawal. Uh, we've talked about other drugs, but alcohol withdrawal um, is, is, I think, a pretty important issue for us to talk about, and mostly like how to recognize it. I hear a lot of stories from people who who have had withdrawal seizures when they're in detention, um, and it's with alcohol withdrawal, uh, we're on the clock. Uh, once it starts, the clock is ticking. And we have a certain amount of time to intervene and get them to uh, kind of on the right medicines. Otherwise, uh, they're, they're at risk of having a seizure and or dying. And so just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how that course goes and how to recognize it and maybe what to do. Because it's a perfect example of, of jail diversion. And even if it's, even if it's just delayed diversion, um, you know, even if they're not being kind of hospitalized long term and they're still going to be um, charged, uh, we want to get them either to a hospital or into medical um, at, a, at a detention facility. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to get a little geeky for a moment just to explain what happens and then kind of we'll talk about just how to kind of how to recognize it. So the geeky part, just for everybody's understanding, is that um, uh, for there are, there are these two main chemicals in our brain that are in control of like keeping us awake and kind of making us have the opposite of being awake. Like one chemical called glutamate, it is excitatory. It makes the brain, the nerves in the brain, the brain cells active, it makes them fire. And then there's this other chemical GABA and GABA like chills out the brain cells and makes them work less. And so, and always the brain wants to have a balance between these. So alcohol increases GABA. That's why it makes you tired. That's why it makes you have, lose your balance. That's why it makes you have slurred speech. That's why it makes you think slowly. It's because literally your brain cells are not acting as quickly or as strongly through the, because of this GABA effect. And that's alcohol directly increases that. Um, <clears throat> It's also the same thing that benzodiazepines do, like Valium, Xanax, Clonopin, Ativan. 
they have, they're essentially to our brain, they're freeze-dried alcohol, essentially. They, they work at the exact same receptor in the brain and they increase this GABA and that's why they're intoxicating and that's also why they chill people out. And so what happens is if we're drinking large amounts of alcohol or we're taking benzodiazepines every day, we're essentially increasing so much GABA, all this GABA, 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 that our brain wants to stay awake. So what it does is it increases its own levels of glutamate, the excitatory chemical, excitatory neurotransmitter, so that we can stay awake because we have way too much GABA and, we, and it wants to be awake, we wanna be awake. So it finds a balance now of, of super increasing glutamate to match the GABA. So then, if we stop drinking, if we stop taking Xanax all of a sudden, right? And so let's say we've been drinking, 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 and then we get arrested and we get detained and we don't have access to alcohol. We're not supplementing that GABA. So now we have low GABA levels, but our brain is used to having them high. So it still has high glutamate levels. So now we're out of balance. We have so much of this excitatory neurotransmitter. We have a lot of brain activity. And, and that, is, that is a seizure when we have too much brain activity. It's not balanced by the GABA anymore. So that's why in acute withdrawal from either of those, from alcohol or benzodiazepines, we can have a seizure. The other thing that glutamate does is it's linked to our stress response, our fight or flight response. So, so lots of activity and also lots of adrenaline. So again, when we lose all that GABA from stopping, if we can't have a drink and we have all this glutamate, we also have tons of adrenaline. So we get high blood pressure, high heart rate, super anxious and agitated, might get very sweaty, might have panic attacks. These are all early warning signs that a seizure might be next. And so that's kind of the geeky part. So, so, so what, we, what we see clinically, the early signs of alcohol withdrawal in those first, let's say, 24 hours, and it could be as little as six hours, 12 hours up to 24, we, we see all those changes in vital signs. So anybody who has been drinking, it's why it's a great question, I think, when you are assessing somebody or you are detaining somebody is, is, you know, how much have you been drinking lately, right? Or especially if you have a blood alcohol level, which we'll talk about next. So if somebody has been drinking a lot and now they're getting high blood pressure, high pulse rate, they're sweaty, they're, they're agitated, maybe they're shaking like a tremor. They look like they're freaking out. It not, they might not just be nervous because they are being arrested or detained. This could be the early signs of withdrawal. So in those first 24 hours, you can have those, those vital sign changes. And if somebody's been drinking heavily and we have those, we need to anticipate that they're going to go into, that their withdrawal will get worse. They're already in early withdrawal. We call that simple withdrawal. Then at, at about 24 to 48 hours in that window is where we tend to see seizures. And so somebody can have a seizure from that withdrawal now because because the alcohol has totally left their system and they just have all that glutamate, all that ex excitatory neurotransmitter. 
Doesn't mean that they have epilepsy. Epilepsy is when you have a seizure condition that's not caused by something else. It's not due to withdrawal. <clears throat> but they can have a, a seizure and sometimes the seizures can just happen and they can end and it's not a huge deal. Of course, somebody can have a seizure and they can fall and hit their head, which is a, can be a huge deal. They can have a seizure and when the seizure starts before it takes over the whole brain and they're just shaking without control, they can do kooky things like start swinging at people or start hallucinating, stuff like that. Or they can have a seizure that doesn't stop and that's the most dangerous type. We call that status epilepticus, just meaning that it's a seizure that doesn't stop and you can't breathe very well when you're seizing like that. And you tend to, if you're vomiting or just salivating, you tend to swallow that or breathe that in rather than swallow it. And you can choke on that and get pneumonia. And also all your muscles so tight like that, a weird thing happens when your muscles are sustained like that, isometric contraction for a long time, they start to break down and they release a chemical that can uh, stop your kidneys from working, cause kidney failure. We call that rhabdomyolysis and, and that can kill you too. So this is why it's, it's so important to, to notice, to recognize this. <clears throat> so the other thing that I mentioned is having hallucinations. So if this starts to happen and somebody is having hallucinations now, they've stopped drinking because we've detained them and they're starting to hallucinate. And let's say that they don't, it's hard if they have a history of schizophrenia or something like that. Only about 40% of people with schizophrenia have heavy alcohol use. So it's not a huge number. But if they don't have a history of psychosis and, and they're in withdrawal and they're hallucinating, they need to be seen medically like ultra-stat, pronto. Because that's what we call delirium tremens, the DTs. And the DTs are absolutely life-threatening. And what's a bummer about the DTs is that even if they don't kill you, they can, they can destroy parts of your brain <clears throat> that are super necessary. For instance, they can destroy the part of your brain that forms new memories. And you can end up like the guy in Memento. Do you guys see that movie Memento? There's a movie where the guy, he has like a head injury and then every day he wakes up and he doesn't remember what he did yesterday. So he's like, it's almost like Groundhog Day for him. He's stuck in the day he got his brain injury. And that can happen from DTs where we get what's called an anterograde amnesia, where we can't form new memories. And, and it's almost like we're a goldfish. Every couple minutes or every couple hours, it resets. And we have no idea where we are. We have no idea that it's been six years since this happened. Horrible. Another sign that that's happening is if people start speaking in gibberish. And I mean like absolute gibberish, like you can't understand what they're saying, but they look like they're like they're speaking normally. And that's because of our, we have two language circuits in our brain and one of them can get um, deranged in this alcohol withdrawal. <clears throat> and so people can be thinking the right thing. What they're thinking is, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. But when that thought comes out of their mouth, it's like cat tonic light bulb tree horn. It just makes no sense at all. So again, if somebody's in withdrawal and they start speaking and it doesn't make any sense, they got to be seen in medical absolutely stat because they are losing their brain. Uh, and this, sometimes this can be irreversible. <clears throat> the, 
the risks of having a bad withdrawal like that, what we call complicated withdrawal, which means that you have a seizure or you have the delirium tremens, is if you've ever, like if, so we might be asking somebody during booking or during detaining or whatever, if we know or, or suspect that they're a drinker or we ask them if they've been drinking, have you ever had a seizure before when you were in jail or did you ever have a seizure before when you couldn't get a drink? Because if they have, then the likelihood that they're going to do it again is very high. Um, it's one of the biggest risks. Another one is if they're acutely sick. Let's say we arrest somebody and they have like a chronic illness. Let's say they have a pneumonia, something like that. Um, if, if on intake, I don't know if, if vital, how often vitals are checked, but if they have a fever, again, this suggests that they're at greater risk of going into alcohol withdrawal and having complicated withdrawal. It's just because they're already sick and their, their, their body can't really, is not at its best anyway. Um, <clears throat> the other way to predict it is, um, so do you guys do blood alcohol levels or do you do uh, breathalyzers rather? When you're detaining people, is that fairly common? Not fairly common. But let's say that it was done. Let's say let's say they did it roadside. They did roadside field sobriety or something like that, and they had them blow. Um, right. I mean, a perfect example of somebody who might go through withdrawal is somebody who's picked up for DWI. So if if they've blown, if they do a breathalyzer, if the number is 0.3. So it'll either come out as 0.3 or 300. Those are the same. It matters what the units are. By definition, if we do not have tolerance at 300 um, or 0.3, we should be unconscious. That's like a, a general rule. So if somebody is conscious and they have a 0.3 or above, and that's plenty of people out there, you know, if you're drinking a fifth a day, that's not a problem. So if you are still conscious at 0.3 or above, you, are, are, you have a much higher chance of having a complicated withdrawal, having a withdrawal seizure, because we know that you've had so much. You've been drinking so much to get your tolerance up that your, your GABA levels have been high, so your brain has also elevated its glutamate levels. So anybody who blows 0.3 or 300, it's not a given that they'll have a seizure, but they're at a much greater risk of having a seizure. <clears throat> and so they should be watched. They should be monitored. Um, and you can, and again, we can just monitor their vital signs. That's the early warning system. Um, the treatment for any of this, there are two forms of treatment mainly. And one is we give benzodiazepines. That's the, that's like the main standard we give typically lorazepam, but there are other benzodiazepines used. It matters where you are. Because, and that's to stop the seizure, to stop the withdrawal. It's not like a long-term treatment. It's a short-term treatment. Some of us also give anti-seizure drugs to stop the seizure. And that's, that's also fairly easy to give. Uh, we usually do like a, a seven to 10 day course of something like Tegretol. Um, and it just, it can prevent the seizures. Um, but obviously we've got to get somebody to a medical setting, medical in a detention center or an ER. When this is occurring. And that's the basics. It's pretty, it's pretty simple stuff, but we have to have awareness of it. We have to look for it. Um, any thoughts or questions from anybody about 
alcohol withdrawals. This is really just about the withdrawal, not the long-term treatment of alcoholism. We can talk about that too, but I wanted to cover withdrawal because so many people go through it when they're detained. Any thoughts or questions? Anybody want to know anything else specifically about it? Please, Neil's resume. I have a question. So you you went over the timeline. Can you tell us the transition in the timeline from seizures to DTS? So what? I mean, the what the way that the model goes is that from twenty four really to forty eight hours. That's your big seizure window. Forty eight to seventy two hours is where you can have all of this the DTs and everything, but, but that's, it's a little bit artificial because you can have, you can start to have DTs after 24 hours. Um, you know, I, I think putting it in all these different kind of categories is a little artificial. The most important thing is that like those first 24 hours, you tend to have more of just the vital sign irregularities. And after that, the risks are bigger, but you know, some people will have a seizure in less than 24 hours. It really matters how they're eliminating it. And also, um, so people who are that intoxicated, they might not be a good historian in terms of when their last drink was. And so sometimes our clocks aren't accurate either. I have one other question. This is Neil's but, but, So let me just finish that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. 72 hours if for alcohol. If we're out of 72 hours, we're probably good. So if it's been 72 hours and we're confident in that timeline, then probably if they're having difficulties, it's due to something else. But if what we're talking about are medicines like benzodiazepines, those can last a little bit longer, especially if it's something like Valium, although that tends to not cause these types of seizures because it comes off so slowly. What is your ethical or clinical take on using alcohol to treat DTs? Yeah, great question. So when I was a medical student in Florida, <clears throat> um, we had, they had a beer and they had like a whiskey on the medical formulary. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's like, oh, well, if this is what they drank, um, let's just give it to them to control their withdrawal. It's not really considered okay anymore in hospitals. Um, I don't know of any hospitals that still have those on the formulary. It's just kind of considered bad form just because there are other risks with those <coughs> and maybe they have an addiction to them. And it's like, yeah. anyway, for real. So we have these medicines and the medicines we're very certain about what they do. And so it's really, we use medicines now. Um, but I guess as a follow-up, if you're in the field and you can't take somebody in and they don't have al access to alcohol, I mean, or you're trying to convince them not to, right. or, no, it's a very real world thing. So like, for instance, sometimes somebody will come to the emergency room and they have a high blood alcohol and, and just for your guys' education. So sometimes in, in psychiatry, our standard is we don't want to discharge somebody from the, from the emergency room if their blood alcohol is above 0.08 because we don't want them to get in their car and be at least at that limit, right? Understanding that New Mexico actually doesn't have a, a minimum legal limit. Um, so, so it actually, but I'm not sure that's the best thing for the patient. 
because sometimes we'll keep people in the ER so long that they start to go into withdrawal. Good system. And so sometimes the, our thinking is like, well, if there's if we really don't have any other reason to hold them, like let's let them go so they can go home and have a drink and not go into withdrawal, right? It's tricky. It, it's tricky. So if somebody's using high amounts, large amounts of alcohol, let's say the perfect example is a fifth a day. So a fifth, a fifth a day, that's the tall bottle that's thin, right? The tall bottle that doesn't have a handle on it. It's 750 milliliters. It's 17 shots. It's, or, or rather, it's 17 standard drinks, rather. Um, and, that, and a standard drink for a shot is an ounce and a half of 80 proof. So that's a, it's a lot of drink. So if somebody's drinking a fifth of a gallon a day, a fifth a day, we do not want to like suggest to them just stop drinking. Don't have any more to drink, right? Because the likelihood that they have medically dangerous withdrawal is pretty big. We might suggest that they get into into treatment, but like that's somebody who we would want to send in Albuquerque to Mats, uh, where they can um, or 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 the Motu that's at Mats. That's the medically observed uh, treatment unit where they can have medically supervised withdrawal you know, or an ER or something like that, because they might need a medicine to help them. Um, so, so, right. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we don't want to prevent people from having a drink if that's going to make things worse. Um, you know, somebody's using methamphetamine, you know, and they stop, there's no, there's no danger to that withdrawal. They might, it's an uncomfortable withdrawal, but it's not dangerous. Uh, opiates, same thing. If they're not pregnant, it's not dangerous. If they're pregnant, it is. And so that's another one of those situations where, like, if I see somebody who's pregnant and using heroin on Friday afternoon, I tell her, don't stop using heroin through the weekend. We're going to get you into a clinic on Monday. But, like, don't go through withdrawal because you could lose your pregnancy and bleed out. Um Whereas it's not dangerous for, for a non-pregnant female or, or, or a male to go through opiate withdrawal. Yeah, that's so, a good example. So, yeah, they, they're, these are real issues. Uh, TJ Camacho, LCPD. What about... Is there any... And them going into withdrawals is it will they go into withdrawals quicker or lo longer if using uh, prescription medications with alcohol uh, and well so it matters what prescription medicines they are right uh, probably the so most common ones. right right so for most medicines it doesn't change this um, but but let's say their medicine is Xanax Xanax causes more withdrawal seizures than any other benzodiazepine. And so, um, so if they're using Xanax and alcohol, first of all, using them together is dangerous. But also, if they stop them both, they're very likely to have a Xanax withdrawal and then have an alcohol withdrawal. Um, Xanax just kind of comes off of the receptors in the brains very fast. And so that's why it causes so many withdrawal seizures. It's one of the problems with that one. But like, let's say they're taking Prozac or they're taking an antipsychotic. That doesn't necessarily put them at greater risk of withdrawal 
per se, it's, it, it slightly increases the chance that if they do go into withdrawal, that they'll have a withdrawal seizure because all of those lower our brain's threshold for having a seizure, but not by very much. And if they're on anti-seizure medicine, that would protect them. What about um, painkillers, Vicodin, um, in the, in those lines? Yeah. So that's not going to make it more likely for them to have a withdrawal from alcohol or a withdrawal seizure. But you raise a really good point, which is that if somebody's on opiates and on alcohol, or on opiates and benzos, and and they go into they're detained, so they both stop, they're going to go into withdrawal for both of them. So what's really important, this is why it's important that we take a history about alcohol, because if we only know about them using, let's say, Percocet or Oxycodone, and we don't ask about alcohol, and they start to go in withdrawal, and we say, oh, well, this is opiate withdrawal. It's just, it's safe. We don't have to do anything. We might miss the fact that they're also going through alcohol withdrawal and have a bad outcome. So when people are in mixed withdrawal like that, we treat the alcohol. We treat the dangerous one. We can treat them both, but if we have to just prioritize one, we treat, we treat it as if it's alcohol withdrawal since that one's dangerous. Does that answer your question, TJ? Yes, thank you. Cool. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's good to ask. And, and, you know, you can just ask people kind of how much do you drink? Um, so if somebody's drinking five or more drinks a day, that's a, that's a pretty good rule that they're at risk. Um, certainly if somebody's drinking something like a fifth a day, or again, if they blow and they're above 0.3 and they're conscious, I think it's good to ask. So, you know, if you smell alcohol on somebody and you're taking them into custody, even at booking, you know, you can be there long enough that they start to go into withdrawal. So you can, you might just ask them, have you ever had a seizure before when you, when you couldn't get a drink? Now, just because they haven't doesn't mean that they won't this time. But if they have, chances are good that they will. So then we just want to keep an eye on them. Are they starting to get agitated, super anxious, pouring sweat? You know, because then we want to we want to intervene and and get them some medical attention. And so, really, I think it's important that we treat we view alcohol withdrawal as a medical issue. A medical concern, not a moral one, not not anything else. Um, you know, after we stop the seizures, then we can book them and, I guess, judge them all we want. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions about alcohol withdrawal? I have a question, uh, Camilla yeah. Duarte. Um, does is age a factor? Like the younger they are, or the older they are? I mean, it's a great question. So, so the older they are, the more likely. So, so if anybody's over 65, so older age is a risk for complicated withdrawal, medical comorbidities, or especially if somebody's acutely ill, if somebody has a history of seizures, if somebody has a history of a head injury or a brain injury, they're more likely to have seizures. Um, these are all, these are all risks and then heavy and, and consistent use. Yeah, it's a great question, Kamala.